Chapter Twenty One of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Botez. The Deluge, Volume Two, by Henrik Sienkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin, eighteen thirty-five to nineteen o six, chapter twenty-one. Pan Zamoyski had not uttered pure calumny to his sister when he spoke of Michael's love for Arnusia, for the young prince had fallen in love with her, as had all, not excepting the pages of the castle but that love was not over-violent and by no means aggressive it was rather an agreeable intoxication of the head and mind than an impulse of the heart which when it loves impels to permanent possession of the object beloved for such action michael had not the energy nevertheless princess griselda dreaming of a brilliant future for her son was greatly terrified at that feeling. In the first moment, the sudden consent of her brother to Anuja's departure astonished her. Now she ceased thinking of that. So far had a threatening danger seized her whole soul. A conversation with her son, who grew pale and trembled, and who before he had confessed anything shed tears, confirmed her in the supposition that the danger was terrible. Still, she did not conquer her scruples of conscience at once, and it was only when Anusha, who wanted to see a new world, new people, and perhaps also turned the head of the handsome cavalier, fell at her feet with a request for permission that the princess did not find strength sufficient to refuse. Anusha, it is true, covered herself with tears at the thought of parting with her mistress and mother, but for the clever girl it was perfectly evident that by asking for the separation she had cleared herself from every suspicion of having with preconceived purpose turned the head of Prince Michael or even Zamoyski himself. Princess Griselda, from desire to know surely if there was a conspiracy between her brother and Kmita, directed the latter to come to her presence. Her brother's promise not to leave Zamost had calmed her considerably, it is true. She wished, however, to know more intimately the man who was to conduct the young lady. The conversation with Kmita set her at rest thoroughly. There looked from the blue eyes of the young noble such sincerity and truth that it was impossible to doubt him. He confessed at once that he was in love with another, and besides he had neither the wish nor the head for folly. Finally he gave his word as a cavalier that he would guard the lady from every misfortune, even if he had to lay down his head. I will take her safely to Pan Sapieha, for Pan Zamoyski says that the enemy has left Lublin. 
but I can do no more, not because I hesitate in willing service for your highness, since I am always willing to shed my blood for the widow of the greatest warrior and the glory of the whole commonwealth, but because I have my own grievous troubles, out of which I know not whether I shall bring my life. It is a question of nothing more, answered the princess, than that you give her into the hands of Pan Sapieha, and he will not refuse my request to be her guardian. Here she gave Kmita her hand, which he kissed with great reverence, and she said in parting, Be watchful, cavalier, be watchful, and do not place safety in this, that the country is free of the enemy. These last words arrested Kmita, but he had no time to think over them, for Zamoyski soon caught him. Gracious knight, said he gaily, you are taking the greatest ornament of Zamost away from me. But at your wish, answered Kmita, take good care of her. She is a toothsome dainty. Someone may be ready to take her from you. Let him try, oh ho! I have given the word of a cavalier to the princess, and with me my word is sacred. Oh, I only say this is a jest. Fear not, neither take unusual caution. Still, I will ask of your serene great mightiness a carriage with windows. I will give you two. But you are not going at once, are you? I am in a hurry. As it is, I am here too long. Then send your tartars in advance to Krasnistov. I will hurry off a courier to have oats ready for them there, and will give you an escort of my own to that place. No evil can happen to you here, for this is my country. I will give you good men of the German dragoons, bold fellows and acquainted with the road. Besides, to Krasnistov, the road is as if cut out with a sickle. But why am I to stay here? To remain longer with us, you are a dear guest. I should be glad to detain you a year. Meanwhile, I shall send to the herds at Perespa. Perhaps some horse will be found which will not fail you in need. Kmita looked quickly into the eyes of his host, then, as if making a sudden decision, said, I thank you, I will remain, and will send on the Tartars. He went straight to give them orders, and, taking Akbaulan to one side, he said, Akbaulan, you are to go to Krasnistav by the road straight as if cut with a sickle. I stay here, and a day later will move after you with the Zamoyski's escort. Listen now to what I say. You will not go to Krasnistav, but strike into the first forest, not far from Zamost, so that a living soul may not know of you.
and when you hear a shot on the high road, hurry to me, for they are preparing some trick against me in this place. Your will, said Agbaulan, placing his hand on his forehead, his mouth and his breast. I have seen through you, Pan Zamoyski, said Kmita to himself. In Zamost you are afraid of your sister. Therefore you wish to seize the young lady, and secret her somewhere in the neighborhood, and make of me the instrument of your desires, and who knows if not to take my life. But wait, you found a man keener than yourself. You will fall into your own trap. In the evening, Lieutenant Shursky knocked at Kmita's door. This officer, too, knew something, and had his suspicions, and because he loved Danusha, he preferred that she should depart, rather than fall into the power of Zamoyski. Still, he did not dare to speak openly, and perhaps because he was not sure but he wondered that Kmita had consented to send the Tartars on in advance. He declared that the roads were not so safe as was said, that everywhere armed bands were wandering, hands swift to deeds of violence. Pan Andrei decided to feign that he divined nothing. What can happen to me? asked he. Besides, Zamoyski gives me his own escort. Bah, Germans! Are they not reliable men? Is it possible to depend upon those dog brothers ever? It has happened that after conspiring on the road, they went over to the enemy. But there are no Swedes on this side of the Vistula. They are in Lublin, the dogs. It is not true that they have left. I advise you honestly not to send the Tartars in advance, for it is always safer in a large company. It is a pity that you did not inform me before. I have one tongue in my mouth, and an order given I never withdraw. Next morning the Tartars moved on. Kmeta was to follow toward evening so as to pass the first night at Krasnistav. Two letters to Pan Sapieha were given to him, one from the princess, the other from her brother. Kmita had a great desire to open the second, but he dared not. He looked at it, however, before the light, and saw that inside was a blank paper. This discovery was proof to him that both the maiden and the letters, were to be taken from him on the road. Meanwhile the horses came from Perespa, and Zamoyski presented the knight with a steed beautiful beyond admiration. The steed he received with thankfulness, thinking in his soul that he would ride farther on him than Zamoyski expected. He thought also of his starters, who must now be in the forest, and wild laughter seized him. At times again he was indignant in soul, and promised to give the master of Zamost a lesson.
Finally the hour of dinner came, which passed in great gloom. Anusha had red eyes. The officers were in deep silence. Pan Zamoyski alone was cheerful, and gave orders to fill the goblets. Kmita emptied his one after another, but when the hour of parting came, not many persons took leave of the travelers, for Zamoyski had sent the officers to their service. Anuja fell at the feet of the princess, and for a long time could not be removed from her. The princess herself had evident disquiet in her face. Perhaps she reproached herself in secret for permitting the departure of a faithful servant at a period when mishap might come easily. But the loud weeping of Michael, who held his fists to his eyes, crying like a schoolboy, confirmed the proud lady in her conviction that it was needful to stifle the further growth of this boyish affection. Besides, she was quieted by the hope that in the family of Sapieha, the young lady would find protection, safety, and also the great fortune which was to settle her fate for the rest of her life. I commit her to your virtue, bravery, and honor said the princess once more to Kmita, and remember that you have sworn to me to conduct her to Pansapieha without fail. I will take her as I would a glass, and in need will wind oakum around her, because I have given my word. Death alone will prevent me from keeping it, answered the knight. He gave his arm to Anusha, but she was angry and did not look at him. He had treated her rather slightingly. Therefore, she gave him her hand very haughtily, turning her face and head in another direction. She was sorry to depart, and fear seized her. But it was too late then to draw back. The moment came, they took their seats. She in the carriage with her old servant, Panna Suvalski, he on his horse, and they started. Twelve German horsemen surrounded the carriage and the wagon with Anusha's effects. When at last the doors in the Warsaw gate squeaked, and the rattle of wheels was heard on the drop bridge, Anusha burst into loud weeping. Kmeta bent toward the carriage. Fear not, my lady, I will not eat you. Clown, thought Anusha. They rode some time along the houses outside the walls, straight toward old Zamost. Then they entered fields and the pine wood, which in those days stretched along a hilly country to the bug on one side on the other it extended interrupted by villages to zavihost night had fallen but very calm and clear the road was marked by a silver line only the rolling of the carriage and the tramp of the horses broke the silence 
My Tartars must be lurking here, like wolves in a thicket, thought Kmita. Then he bent his ear. What is that? asked he of the officer who was leading the escort. A tramp. Some horseman is galloping after us, answered the officer. He had barely finished speaking, when a Cossack hurried up on a foaming horse, crying, Pan Babinich, Pan Babinich, a letter from Pan Zamoyski. The retinue halted. The Cossack gave the letter to Kmita. Kmita broke the seal, and by the light of a lantern, read as follows. Gracious and dearest Pan Babinich, Soon after the departure of Pana Borzobogati, tidings came to us that the Swedes not only have not left Lublin, but that they intend to attack Myzamost. In view of this, further journeying and peregrination became inconvenient. Considering therefore the dangers to which a fair head might be exposed, we wish to have Pana Borzobogati in Zamost. Those same knights will bring her back, but you, who must be in haste to continue your journey, we do not wish to trouble uselessly, announcing which will of ours to your grace. We beg you to give orders to the horseman according to our wishes. Still, he is honest enough not to attack my life. He only wishes to make a fool of me, thought Kmita. But we shall soon see if there is a trap here or not. Now Anusha put her head out of the window. What is the matter? asked she. Nothing. Pan Zamoyski commends you once more to my bravery. Nothing more. Here he turned to the driver. Forward. The officer leading the horseman reined in his horse. Stop, cried he to the driver. Then to Kmita. Why move on? But why halt longer in the forest? Asked Kmita with the face of a stupid rogue. For you have received some order. And what is that to you? I have received, and that is why I command to move on. Stop, repeated the officer. Move on, repeated Kmita. What is this? inquired Anusha again. We will not go a step farther till I see the order said the officer with decision. You will not see the order, for it is not sent to you. Since you will not obey it, I will carry it out. You move on to Krasnistav and have a care, lest we give you something for the road. But we will go home with the lady. Kmita only wished the officer to acknowledge that he knew the contents of the order. This proved with perfect certainty that the whole affair was a trick arranged in advance. Move on with God, repeated the officer now with a threat. 
At that moment the horsemen began one after another to take out their sabers. Oh, such sons! Not to Zamost did you wish to take the maiden, but aside somewhere, so that Pan Zamoyski might give free rein to his wishes. But you have met with a more cunning man. When Babinich had said this, he fired upward from a pistol. At this sound there was such an uproar in the forest, as if the shot had roused whole legions of wolves sleeping nearby. The howl was heard in front, behind, from the sides. At once the tramp of horses sounded with the cracking of limbs breaking under their hoofs, and on the road were seen black groups of horsemen, who approached with unearthly howling. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, cried the terrified women in the carriage. Now the Tartars rushed up like a cloud, but Kmita restrained them with a triple cry, and turning to the astonished officer, began to boast. Know whom you have met. Pan Zamoyski wished to make a fool of me, a blind instrument. To you he entrusted the functions of a pander, which you undertook, sir officer, for the favor of a master. How down to Zamoyski from Babinich, and tell him that the maiden will go safely to Pan Sapieha. The officer looked around with frightened glance, and saw the wild faces gazing with terrible eagerness on him and his men. It was evident that they were waiting only for a word, to hurl themselves on the twelve horsemen and tear them in pieces. Your grace, you will do what you wish, for we cannot manage superior power, said he with trembling voice. But Pan Zamoyski is able to avenge himself. Kmita laughed. Let him avenge himself on you. For had it not come out that you knew the contents of the order, and had you not opposed the advance, I should not have been sure of the trick, and should have given you the maiden straight away. Tell the starosta to appoint a keener pander than you. The calm tone with which Kmita said this assured the officer somewhat, at least on this point, that death did not threaten either him or his troopers. Therefore he breathed easily and said, And must we return with nothing to Zamost? You will return with my letter, which will be written on the skin of each one of you. Your Grace! Take them, cried Kmita, and he seized the officer himself by the shoulder. An uproar and struggle began around the carriage. The shouts of the Tartars deadened the cries for assistance, and the screams of terror coming from the breasts of the women. But the struggle did not last long, for a few minutes later the horsemen were lying on the road, tied one at the side of the other. Kmita gave command to flog them with bullock-skin whips, 
but not beyond measure, so that they might retain strength to walk back to Zamost. The common soldiers received one hundred, and the officer a hundred and fifty lashes, in spite of the prayers and entreaties of Anusha, who, not knowing what was passing around her, and thinking that she had fallen into terrible hands, began to implore with joined palms and tearful eyes for her life. Spare my life, knight, in what am I guilty before you? Spare me, spare me. Be quiet, young lady, roared Kmita. In what have I offended? Maybe you are in the plot yourself? In what plot, O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Then you did not know that Pan Zamoyski only permitted your departure, apparently, so as to separate you from the princess and carry you off on the road to make an attempt on your honor in some empty castle? O oh, Jesus of Nazareth, screamed Anuja and there was so much truth and sincerity in that cry that Kmita said more mildly, How is that? Then you are not in the plot? That may be. Anusha covered her face with her hands, but she could say nothing. She merely repeated time after time, Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary. Calm yourself, said Kmita, still more mildly. You will go in safety to Pan Sapieha, for Pan Zamoyski did not know with whom he had to deal. See, those men whom they are flogging were to carry you off. I give them their lives, so that they may tell Pan Zamoyski how smoothly it went with them. Then, have you defended me from shame? I have, though I did not know whether you would be glad. Anusha, instead of making answer or contradiction, seized Pan Andrei's hand and pressed it to her pale lips, and sparks went from his feet to his head. Give peace, for God's sake, cried he. Sit in the carriage, for you will wet your feet, and be not afraid. You would not be better cared for with your mother. I will go with you even to the end of the world. Do not say such things. God will reward you for defending honor. It is the first time that I have had the opportunity, said Kmita. And then he muttered in an undertone to himself, So far I have defended her as much as a cat sheds tears. Meanwhile the Tartars had ceased to beat the horsemen, and Pan Andrei gave command to drive them naked and bloody along the road toward Zamost. They went, weeping bitterly. Their horses, weapons and clothing, Kmita gave his Tartars, and then moved on quickly, for it was unsafe to loiter. On the road the young knight could not restrain himself from looking into the carriage to gaze at the flashing eyes and wonderful face of the maiden. He asked each time 
if she did not need something, if the carriage was convenient, or the quick traveling did not tire her too much. She answered with thankfulness that it was pleasant to her, as it had never been. She had recovered from her terror completely, her heart rose in gratitude to her defender, and she thought, he is not so rude and surly as I held at first. I, Olenka, why do I suffer for you? said Kmita to himself. Do you not feed me with ingratitude? Had this been in old times, aha? Uh -huh? Then he remembered his comrades, and the various deeds of violence which he had committed in company with them. Then he began to drive away temptation, began to repeat for their unhappy souls eternal rest. When they had reached Krasnistav, Kmita considered it better not to wait for news from Zamost and went on farther. But at parting he wrote and sent to Zamoyski the following letter. Serene, great, mighty Lord Starosta, and to me, very gracious favorer and benefactor, whomsoever God has made great in the world, to him he deals out wit in more bountiful measure. I knew at once that you, serene, great, mighty Lord, only wished to put me on trial when you sent the order to give up Panna Borzobogati. I knew this all the better when the horsemen betrayed that they knew the substance of the order, though I did not show them the letter, and though you wrote to me that the idea came to you only after my departure, as on the one hand I admire all the more your penetration, so on the other, to put the careful guardian more completely at rest, I promise anew that nothing will suffice to lead me away from fulfilling the function imposed on me. But since those soldiers, evidently misunderstanding your intention, turned out to be great ruffians, and even threatened my life, I think that I should have hit upon your thought if I had commanded to hang them. Because I did not do so, I beg your forgiveness. Still, I gave orders to flog them properly, with bullock-skin whips. Which punishment, if your great mighty lordship considers it too small, you can increase according to your will. With this, hoping that I have earned the increased confidence and gratitude of your serene great mighty lordship, I subscribe myself the faithful and well-wishing servant of your serene great mighty lordship, Babenich. The dragoons, when they had dragged themselves to Zamost late at night, did not dare to appear before the eyes of their master. Therefore, he learned of the whole matter from this letter, which the Krasnistav Cossack brought next day. After he had read Kmita's letter, Zamoyski shut himself up in his rooms for three days, admitting no attendant save the chamber servants who brought him his food.
they heard also how he swore in French, which he did only when he was in the greatest fury. By degrees, however, the storm was allayed. On the fourth day and fifth, Zamoyski was still very silent. He was ruminating over something and pulling at his moustache. In a week, when he was very pleasant and had drunk a little at table, he began to twirl his moustache, not to pull it, and said to Princess Griselda, Lady sister, you know that there is no lack of penetration in me. A couple of days ago I tested of purpose that noble who took Anuja, and I can assure you that he will take her faithfully to Pansapieha. About a month later, as it seems, Pan Sobiepan turned his heart in another direction, and besides he became altogether convinced that what had happened happened with his will and knowledge. End of section 25